0: Long Talk Radio <laughs> get me, get me, Yo, yo, yo
1: Here
0: we go, here we go, we go. Skins. My eyes is a photography lens. Properly push pens and show quality gym The harvest be grim. But though maybe tomorrow we win, if we follow the trends and keep count of the dollars we spend. I want a mahogany bin. I want lottery in. I want property friends. Plus my hobby is skins. If I can sloppy and sin, then my prophecy ends. But the car to begin, watching my Odyssey spin in a place where war be based on a true story. Territory was made for me to pursue glory, blast alone, masses and zones have to be sold. Every capacity blown, I'm internationally known. Yo, so all hell, the honorable microphone, phenomenal persona isn't Trust me, son, I continue like a starter, Bringing you the drama to allow you that the chronicle was just gun, gun, gun. The saga begins. Rock him, set it all, yep, yep. the saga begins, they'll pay the after the next one, yep, yep. The saga begins, swing yep, yep, yep. Rock him, set it all, yep, yep. the saga begins, tweak in, it in. Yo, my never ending epic got the world spinning hectic. I quickly spread it till the whole city's infected. Suspense that I supply, intensify. Then commences my daily events. So by you get involved in this paragraphology, narrating, novelist, market this, sound marvelous. Understand this, which means the author's authentic, most definite. Every episode's an epidemic. So when you research, check it. Here go the evidence. They represent with lyrical negligence for presidents. My signs existed. When Fixin Every inscription is a special addition. So all hell the honorable. Microphone phenomenal. Persona is invulnerable. Trust me, son. I continue like a saga do. Bringing you the drama to allow you that the Chronicle was just begun. Gun. The, saga the saga begins. The saga begins. we a after the next The saga begins. Rock him, set it all. The song You know that i the Yo. The legacy lives. Let them see what the pedigree is. Mega says, Blessing these kids. Whatever well, the features? The depths are deepest. The deepest sea is. Telepathy increases. Melody can speak Telekinesis, Telekinesis. Ideas the parents clearance. Pictures and movie theaters. Lyrics you hear it. devastating
2: in the way your ear is. So stay tuned for sequels, part twos and more. Soon you and your people to bug rust and store The names have changed, the game remain the same won't came to reign on its claim the fame No stopping this, I'm
0: dropping this, where they're popping this And when the it. topic is topicless, then I'm writing the apocalypse So all hell, the honorable, microphone phenomenal Persona isn't vulnerable, trust me son, I continue like a saga do Bringing you the drama to allow you that the chronicle is just, just gun, gun, gun. The saga begins Rock him. Set it all. Yo, yo. The saga begins. they still say a rhyme after the next one. <laughs> the saga begins. begins. The control control. Rock him. Set it all. Yo. The saga begins. 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 You know that I'm a soloist. Rock him. Set it all. Rock him. Repet
1: it all. Rock him. Set, set, set it all. And you know that I'm a soloist. Rock him. Set it all, Rock set it off, Rock set it off.
0: Rock it, know it, rock it. Yo, 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 yo. And there's no in the house. But what you know about. Yo. Hey Lay, you know you got the vocals on this motherfucker. We finna talk about these flamers on. I, I can talk dad's about some business. I know you can. I know you That's why we gonna do it. dad's on the beat. Hey Dad, nigga, stop fucking around the piano, nigga. Just drop that shit like uh this here. Look at that. I met you through my homie, now you act like you don't know me. So disappointed, cause baby, that shit was so phony. It's not phony. You see no love before my coaches home. Would have paid you know my but, baby, you was all upon on me. Watch you for people position, you had to paper, ho. No, I ain't mad at you, baby. Go ahead and play the fool. Chose not to listen, so now he's stuck inside his house and can't leave without his permission. Permission to be
1: a player, my aliens, balls drop a on these jealous niggas. Player, let me close. Y'all don't want to see me in pain. I leave that ass like Tony Black to never breathing in the game. I never liked the backstabbing ass tree. Used to watch the money grabbing, who your back and beers? Ready to bust in the city, you don't know who to trust. The so bitch going to do my thing going to be no bullshit no
3: Back in full effect. Good evening, good evening, good evening. It's your boy Flossie G, the Flossie G, show worldwide. And Flossie Jeezy is back with news, entertainment, music, music, and more music. Tonight, we're just going to kick it off, have a little test show. We got some things in the works. We got some sponsors that's going to be coming up. If you folks got any music out there that you want to have pop from your boy Flossie Jeezy, you know what I'm saying? Go ahead and shoot it to me at you know, Flossy Jeezy's uh, website, you know what I'm saying? Flossy Jeezy Show Worldwide, pop it on there. Or you could just send it to my email address and I'll go ahead and run it. Make sure it's downloadable stuff, MV Freestyle, and I'll run it on the show. Your boy Flossy Jeezy coming at you all the way live, Six four six five nine five three four zero two. 595 3402. You know what we going to do? We're going to continue on with this music and with these beats. Some mellow stuff, some hot stuff. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit of sports. Maybe a little bit of news, just some general topics tonight as your boy Flossie G. G. gets him warmed up. It's been a while since I've been around, but I'm here to get down. This is what we're going to do. We're going to keep it going pushing up with our Tupac. You know what I'm saying? I got my mind made up. You know what I'm saying? Him, Jekalian Stallion, Red Man. You know what I'm saying? Daz, all them cats on it. Let's go ahead and get it on. Let's go.
0: Post last raw maniacal villain enhances the chances of the kill. Why is that? The smiling faces your You best believe. to seas, I'm the deadliest disease. My thoughts rip your throat and make it hard to breathe. Your whole camp's under siege, and I'm Jason Voorhees. Uh. and the heat of the night is when I defeat and ignite Mike. My verbal slight, your on sight. I'm out the cut, uncut, and raw with no flawful. So I'm a Split the bricks on the wall. Should already have an idea about the superior sphere The greater I'm creator on both sides of the I rock from here to there, to Philly and back to L.A. on the spot. Where I rock and bust like traps. As your views get overshadowed when you come in contact. Beware, set and prepare to end the verbal combat. Fuck you losers, while you fake jacks. I make maneuvers like Hitler, sticking up with German. The mister, meth for cow from Staten. Now we'll be back after this message. Don't touch the dash. Rarely do you see an MC out for justice. Got my gunpowder and my musket. Blah out! Melons get swellings. I paint mental pictures like Magellan. Half of my clans repeat spellings. Niggas best protect they joints, the non nickels. Man, I stay on point like icicles. Now who wanna test the cow? Then test the cow. All up in your motherfucking mouth. Headbanger boogie. Catch me on tour without doogie. Nothing man's hold too tight, you can't pull me. Better take one and pass, or that's a that ass Your vital statistics are low. And fast uh, Johnny Blaze Out to get loot Like Johnny Cash. Uh, play a game of Russian roulette And have a blast Hey yo
4: Lyrical gasp in Spitting the criminal tactics Non-believers Get my dick And Jenna's too backwards Let's face it there's no replacement Taste this Mad underground basement Shit I'm laced with Avalanche on your whole camp When I'm splitted Fuck Dr. Who's spot bitch, Don't get it twisted I got connects Like Federal Express To get the fresh Package the blessed The dog can't fetch Got the clear spots the rear block, to bust till every nigga teardrop, May not fear not, hold your nose and blow out till your ears pop, since your crew snoop you the shift that you claim that you're dislodged, whip this underground, cannabis, I'm dangerous, like y'all the bomb analyst, lippin' these like peas, my degrees freeze consecutively,
3: like, P.M.D. L.P. Slick off a shot and hit your fan by mistake So I erase the whole front row at the wake I plant my escape in case J.W.R. Snake bust it I'm the one pushing the hearse in the first place Compensate for you shaky ass folk Pump for Rockefeller for the day he got smoke Show off this antidote Got you old get broke By my lyrical Billy D. 45 coat And I'm the level Yeah, your boy and G's gonna keep on coming at you with it. I know y'all was probably checking out that NFL, uh, talking about the NFL, uh, NFL uh, thing going on this afternoon with Marshawn Lynch. He's determined he ain't trying to talk to none of them uh, media people. He ain't trying to holler at nobody. He don't talk to nobody he don't want to. That's his right to do that. I'm loving that all damn day long. According to CBS, Marshawn Lynch. You know his talking points during Super Bowl media day, and um, if you really want to be technically correct here, he had one of the uh, talking points 29 times during the whole uh, appearance day by Marshawn List, He gave the same answer to every question. You know what I'm saying? I'm just here so I won't get fired. He kept repeating that. I'm just here so I won't get fined, and you can't blame him. You know the way that they've been talking about these inflated footballs or deflated footballs or whatever, and they don't seem to be able to get past that. And that's all the media have been talking about all week. I don't blame Marshall Lynch for not wanting to talk to the media. I know for a fact that when I watch the media in action, all they seem to want to do is defecate on people's shoes. You know what I'm saying? Try to get a point across to them, tell them how you're feeling, tell them what you're thinking, and they kind of take it upon themselves to feel about situations the way they want to feel about situations and not really listen to what you got to say in the first place. So why not just keep it moving, keep things rolling, you know what I'm saying, keep things pushing to where if you feel comfortable about talking to the media, fine, if you don't feel like talking to them, I'm okay all day with that too. They knew what they was getting when they was going to ask Marshawn questions. So what a lot of the media guys try to do is that little dirty routine in which they sit up and... uh you know how they do, ask other teammates about him and everything. And I don't know what they was expecting or why they were expecting anything different. The teammates kind of was along the same lines as Mark Sean was, and they said that they all, you know, love their teammate. He's a hardworking cat, and you know what I'm saying? He's he's good to go and everything. And that's the way you want to see it. You don't need a whole lot of uh, nonsense going on with the media. I wouldn't talk to him either. I understand how the brother feels. Now here's an interesting little footnote. You know, today for the first time, January 27th at about 9:41 Eastern Standard Time, we we're on the on the on the uh, West Coast. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather speak in person for the first time, so they didn't have nobody going between them. Said the mega fighters both attended the Miami Heat game Tuesday on the opposite side of the courts. And uh, Pacquiao said on his on his uh, Twitter feed that. He had never spoke to Floyd in um person before, and he gave uh, me his number and said he will, they will communicate with each other. And that's a good thing. Everybody wants to see that fight. It, it was tentatively set for me, and hopefully they can still get that fight on so that people can enjoy a good, honest day's work by both folks. And you know what I'm saying? they got a lot of good media hype behind it. They're talking and doing everything for the first time. And I think it's going to be a great fight. I think Mayweather and Pacquiao, Should both enjoy a good row right there. Of course, you know how I am. You know, I'm the homie, big homie, so I'm going to go ahead and put my sights on Flay Mayweather and hope that he can go ahead and pull that thing off. Um, I mean, it's it's crazy. You know, I'm I'm loving the way it's going down now. Just ate some of that great uh, cake that my old lady sent to the studio with me tonight. She makes the uh, best red velvet cake you ever had. She's from Belox, Mississippi. Her name is Beverly. Boy, she knows how to throw down and making some good food to eat and uh, keeping an old man nice and fat and happy. You got to love it. You got to love it. Well, it seems that the Bulls went into a Golden State tonight, and they uh, were able to snap a uh, 29-game winning streak that Golden State had over there for home games. Real good for for a hometown to go in there and get the job done. And, uh, of course, you know, Derrick Rose, he did his spizzle tonight. So I'm real glad to see He's back up and playing in rare form tonight. says here that uh, uh, from Oakland, California, Derek Rose hit a step-back jumper with seven seconds remaining in overtime as the Bulls in the Golden Stakes, excuse me, that was 19 straight home-winning games, with a thrilling 113-111 victory uh, over the Warriors, you know, uh, tonight. So Rose dribbled to his left and created space to get a shot off over Clay Thompson. You know, still skipping around the court after the Warriors called timeout. Rose finished with 30 points. So it's good to see Rose back in, in, in rare form and getting it in. You know what I'm saying? How scored the Warriors, you know, six to four in overtime. There's a lot of overtime minutes that only score four and six points, but the defense must have been ferocious. that's a real, real beautiful thing right there. And I'm glad to see that, that in on everything. Now, you know, here's two Olympians from the 84 Olympic team, two Titans. You know, the went in balling, or was it the 88 Olympics? Well, either way. Yeah, Michael Jordan now is not talking to Charles Barkley because he said he didn't like his uh, management style and the way he managed, you know, the uh, Charlotte Hornets. Come on, fellas. You know, you guys are both my age. You know what I'm saying? We both, almost all three of us sitting around here at age 51. Let's not end a good friendship over a small dispute over over just a little bit of talk. You know, the man likes to see that that kind of stuff, and we don't need to see that, that kind of stuff happening. You guys go ahead and catch that shit up, and let's keep that thing moving. Well, your boy, Flossy Jeezy, like I said, I'm going to keep it real smooth and easy tonight. You know what I'm saying? Keep things going and, uh, you know, keep stuff going on and and rolling with the flavor as your boy, Flossy Jeezy, continues, you know, to get it in, you know what I'm saying, for the one more game. So, uh, you know, got to be loving it. Got to be loving it. And uh, we're going to go ahead and, and, uh, you know what I'm saying, see how it goes down. And uh, just keep the sounds coming at you. You know, your boy Flossie Jeezy, six four six five. You know what I'm saying? Six four six five nine five three four zero two. I've been a little rusty with it. Let me see who's on tonight. Trying to listen in a little bit. Just a moment. Live. What's going down? It's Your boy Flossie Jeezy. What's popping? Oh, I'm good man. How you doing tonight? Oh man, I'm getting it in. Where you calling in from? Uh, I come from Minnesota, man. Nice, man. Nice. Nice. I'm just uh, just kind of, you know, retooling and repranking up the show tonight. You know, it's been a while since I've been on, so I've just been kind of hitting up with some, some general topics and some music and stuff. No political stuff tonight, you know what I'm saying? Just some, a little bit of light sports and stuff like that, trying to get things back worked out and everything. How's the weather back there? Uh, you know, it's cold. Cold as usual, right? <laughs> basically, that's basically all it <laughs> is up here. Well, where are you, where you calling from? You in California? Uh, no, I'm in, I'm in Portland, Oregon. Um, Portland, you know, okay. I'm between, yeah, yeah. I'm about a two and a half hour flight from Los Angeles, about 168, uh, excuse me, 86 miles drive from Seattle. And I'm, like I said, I'm right. just getting it in tonight. Just, you know, like I said, just kind of warming back up. You know, I I produce beats and everything. You know, 1716 Productions, Foster Jeezy on the beat. You know, just just keeping things going. But I have these talk shows too, and I like to just try to get them in and and get some topics and stuff together. Did you get a chance to see any of that uh that NFL uh uh <laughs> Super Bowl preview with Marshawn Lynch today?
4: Oh uh, no no I didn't see it what happened.
3: Oh man, it's crazy man. You know Marshawn Lynch doesn't like to talk to the media. And uh-huh. so he uh he was uh <laughs> the same response over and over again. Uh, every time he ask him a question, he would say, Well you know, I'm just here to make sure that I don't get fined I only showed up to make sure I didn't get fined. So they would ask him a question, like 25 different interviewers, 29 interviewers, and every time they'd ask him a question, he said, well, I'm just here to make sure that I don't get fined because, you know, the the league likes to fine people for for petty stuff.
1: Right.
3: You know, a a lot of people have different opinions about, uh, you know, not talking to the media. Some people say, well, you know, the the media are the ones that get you into the Hall of Fame because they're the ones that do the voting. And then, you know, there's the other half, like myself. They kind of think, you know, I can almost understand why a brother wouldn't want to talk to the media because they always got a way of kind of twisting things around, no matter what you tell them, they kind of twist them into their own way of thinking. What do you think about athletes and, and, and people that, and celebrities that don't want to talk to the media? Yeah, I think, uh,
4: especially when you look at Lynch, like, you know, particular like, well, his whole thing is you go back to his time in Buffalo, I think there was an interview he had where one of the writers, I think, took something he said way out of context, and it was like a big headline thing. And I think since that moment, that's when he had his whole sort of like, you know, distancing himself from the media. And I think in his case, I kind of get where he's coming from because he's had a negative experience. But for most guys, I think they understand that the media is just trying to do their job. You know, most of them, it goes hand in hand, right? They're trying to promote the game. You know, they generate the hype. You know, and if, you know, they try to, at times, yeah, the media, you know, they try to be conniving and try to find, you know, angles and dig up dirt on people. But for the most part, most of the people in the media are just regular people just doing a job trying to, you know, put some food on the table. So I think you got to look at it both ways.
3: Well, I, I can agree with that, man. And, you know, and, 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 and you're right about that. You're absolutely right about that, you know. You, and, of you got to think about the fact that, uh you know, these people are kind of like your bread and butter on getting into the to the Hall of Fame. Unfortunately, the the lighters are, are a lot of media folks, and these guys, uh, you know, what I'm saying they um, they they kind of uh, are your gateway in. And I guess you know you got to be kind of careful how you how you treat these folks if you if you um, you know want to get into the into the uh, Hall of Fame and, and want to get recognized and everything. I mean, but but here again, you know, you, you make a very valid point. You know, a lot of these media folks are really good, down to earth folks. And it's bad when, when you know, um, you kind of allow a situation to kind of get out of hand, where where you don't want to talk to anybody. But you know, so often the media just really doesn't cast us uh, black folks in in, in, a, in a positive enough light, in which we can um you know uh feel comfortable talking to him and and it's unfortunate that you, they've got this brother so wound up that he he just doesn't feel comfortable you know talking you know about about things in general or talking about uh you know how he's feeling about the the game and everything and in a way in a way I can understand why he's doing it, in the way he's kind of you know kind of cheating himself a little bit because you know it's bad when when you're so wound up that you can't find any room to relax, especially when you're on a stage this big, you know. Um, Super Bowl is a, is a once in a lifetime deal for some folks. Of course this is his second time in, but that must have been a really bad interview for him not to talk to people. It's pretty incredible. You know, yeah. Who, 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 so, who could you you uh, take it? Oh
4: I think it's Seattle, definitely. Oh, I'm guessing. I'm guessing you're a Seahawks fan. then
3: you're from the Northwest, right? Oh yeah, I'm from, I'm from Chicago, but I li- like I said, I live the I live right down the street from Seattle, so yeah, okay. I'm kind of pulling for them too. I liked them last year. and I won a lot of bets on on uh, on yeah. Eaton, Manning and so... <laughs> company. you
4: you remember last year?
3: Because
4: like yourself, I was one of those few people that was saying Seattle was going to win, and I was telling people Seattle was going to blow them out. And everybody thought I was crazy, and I was like, it's the same thing this year, right? Think about it. What everybody forgets is the AFC, if you look at it, it's a lot softer than the NFC. Like, to win the NFC, you got to be tough. You got to be, because you're going up against the big dogs of the league. Like, think about it. New England, who did they even have to play? Right. You know? I mean, Baltimore, I, Baltimore used to be tough. Now that Ray Lewis and Ed Reed are gone, they're not that tough no more. And we saw what Indianapolis did. They weren't even. They weren't. They were just a speed bump. They weren't even a
3: challenge. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I agree. I agree 110%. I mean, I mean that division that, that uh, those guys play in is soft as baby shit, man. I mean they, they 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 don't they don't have anybody over there. I mean Buffalo is starting to peak and show signs now. Of course they got Rex Ryan, and and hopefully Rex Ryan. Can stay out of the camera long enough to help those guys out. I mean, Buffalo's got a, a good uh, squad over there, but I mean, you're bringing a guy like Kyle Orton back here out of retirement. Now he's re-retired. You're not even giving Emmanuel a chance to to really flourish. I mean, you know, Rex Ryan is, is an okay coach. He's not the he's not the best thing since sliced bread. But he's a he's a decent enough coach to, to to fire those guys up and get them going. The only thing I, I fault him for, so far as the Jets was concerned is that they had a, a great setup over there, um, you know, with, with their quarterbacks. And uh, Mark Sanchez, uh, who uh, USC fame, was in there and taking up two back-to-back AFC championships, and then you bring Tim Tebow in there as a distraction. And I don't know, for, for my money, if I've got a guy that's already getting the job done, if he's already, you know, putting in work and you and, and, and got things, you know, rolling good for us, I'm not going to bring anybody in to challenge or distract them like that. You know what I'm saying? I'll go find me a real good backup or something like that. But I think that uh, they were trying too hard to put uh, you know asses in the seats rather than paying attention to you know really trying to make a playoff run. And that's always right. dangerous when you have that kind of a that kind of a setup right there. So I mean, like I, said, I guess it is what it is, and. You know, as um, they say in, in boxing, styles make fights. And uh, I guess it all depends on, on what your perspective is and what's important to you. But it would have been really smart if, if they could have done something a little bit different from that. Uh, speaking of boxing, evidently Manny Pacquiao, as I mentioned earlier, and Floyd Mayweather were at a Miami Heat's game, and it looks like they had a chance to talk. It would be really nice to see them go ahead and get that particular fight and done in May and done over with. Because the good news is that they're both about the same age, so you're going to get about the same performance out of them. The bad news is that you know Pacquiao, uh, you know they've been waiting a little bit too long to get him in May. Mayweather in the game. He got his uh, promoter Bob Arum that has him fight, uh, you know Manuel Marquez, so many times. That he, the guy finally figured him out and knocked Pacquiao out, which knocked some of his, his his uh stock down. And then of course they had the controversial decision with with uh you know Timothy Bradley. But I would really like to see them go ahead and get that fight done. Stop with the paperwork. Stop with all the weird stuff and go ahead and get together and fight. These you know it's the first time these two have talked publicly. And I think you need, you know like you were saying earlier about the fans and shit. to get the fans back into into the boxing thing because. I mean, boxing has fallen way off, and there's no real superstars left after those two are gone, and it would be just nice to see those guys maybe have a a trilogy, you know, maybe a two- or three-fight thing because there's going to be two fights. So no matter who wins, there's going to be two fights. And although I'm a a Mayweather fan, you almost wouldn't mind seeing him uh, lose a a second uh, bout and then they have to have a rubber match or something and uh, see if they can get that together. What are, your, what are your thoughts on those two getting together?
4: Right. I think uh, you said it there as far as well, – I think what Floyd is doing is – and Floyd's smart on this, that he's holding the Pacquiao fight as like his last card. Because I think Floyd mm-hmm. feels like that's going to be his last big thing, and then he's probably going to retire. And so I think he's been purposely pushing it back. Some, You know, people try to say he was afraid. I don't think he was afraid. I think he was just being smart business-wise. And he wanted to, you know, use that as his last big check before he leaves boxing. So the sad mm-hmm. thing is, like you said, this fight is about three years old, man. It should have happened. Right. There was so much hype. You remember, I think it was like three or four years ago, everybody wanted this fight so bad. Like, people who didn't even mm-hmm. like boxing wanted to see it. Now, if it happens, yeah. I don't even think that many people are going to tune in. People will watch, but it's not going to be like it could have. It could have been like a record setting, you know, where like. They break all-time records and viewers and everything for boxing, but now, you know, it's too late, and it's not even going to be a good fight because they're both basically past their prime, if you really look at it, especially Pacquiao. He doesn't even look like the same fighter from a few years ago, so it's probably going to be a bad fight. I'm assuming it's going to be one of those where Floyd's going to be dodging for, like, three rounds. Pacquiao's going to eventually get frustrated. He's going to open himself up. Mayweather will land a couple blows, and it'll, be, it'll end up being decided on a decision. You, you're not going to see a knockout in that fight. That's when it blows all the rounds. Judge will decide there'll be some controversial decision, which they'll probably do on purpose to set up the rematch, right. like you said, so that they can cash in a second time. So it's it's not even going to be worth watching. I just don't think if you're going to pay, if you're watching it for free with a friend, that's one thing. But if you're
3: going to pay whatever, 50 Uh-oh. $60, it's not going to be worth your money to watch it. There's no way. Sixty nine bucks out here, man, because of the franchise fees and 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 the monopoly on the cable system out here by by Comcast out here, Xfinity or whatever they are calling themselves these days. It's going to oh, be wow. it's going to be a, a a tragedy to the to the wallet to sit up here and try to watch these guys. Fortunately, I got the ninety two inch sitting in the living room because you know the old lady wanted the, the eighty two inch, and so I I said okay, well I I, I want to watch my repo shows and my weird stuff. I got, got a TV just for that, and the guys that like to come over and, and can contribute to the fight or whatever. But I think you're right. I think, you know, three years ago, it would have really been, you know, a premium, genuine draft deal. You know, you have two fighters where nobody was, was beating them and stuff, and then, like I said, Pacquiao just had ugly knockout against them, but uh, Manuel Marquez, there's no way in the world that a promoter should be fighting a guy four damn times. And then he gets his boxer knocked out because the other guy has figured, finally figured out his style. You know, like you said before, they're both fast and fine, which means we're, you know, it, it's it's almost like it was a travesty to watch them fight Delahoy and Sugar Shane Mosley at the end of their career. I've never liked judging fighters like, that. you know, watching stuff like that. It was as sad as being... Young and watching Ali get beat up by Larry Holmes, it was it was just a it was just a right. sad thing to to sit and watch that man. I mean, it was, it was so ugly. People hated <laughs> right. Larry Holmes when he beat beat up the champ. So it's like, I mean, you know, it, it, come on, fellas. I mean, it's <laughs> sad watching Jordan in his Wizards jersey. Oh, 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 man! Talk about the destroying the legacy, man. To see this guy, oh, he couldn't dunk no more. Yeah, so he came. He came into Portland. They kind of let him win and shit because he has a a big wing over here because Nike's headquarters is right out here in Beaver, in about uh, fourteen miles from here. And they let yeah. they kind of let him win, and you know the shit got you know get real political and mushy and stuff. You know, kind of like Jabbar's last you know tour, you know, with, with the with the with the Harley and all the gifts they were giving him and stuff. I mean, it's it, it just I mean it, you like you like to see guys like you said in their prime. Leave and be done. I mean, it was already like a hatchet job when he went, went out for a couple of years and was playing baseball and came back and won the championships. And then he comes back uh, in a Washington Wizard jersey. It's kind of like, what the hell? <laughs> uh, you yeah. Know what I'm like, like Tupac said, you know, you're flabby and sick. You know, it's all over. Take it like a man. Come on. <laughs> Come so on, like, man. Kind it <laughs> But uh, yeah, this Pacquiao and Mayweather, boy, I take it. And just a silly situation, and you know, there's, it's kind of hard for me to understand them saying that this is the first time these two have talked face to face. When Freddie Roach, Pacquiao's trainer, trains them inside the Mayweather gym, so how much of that can you actually believe that this is the first time these two have talked together and, and see each other face to face? Maybe the first time in public because kind of like a presidential runoff. You start seeing these guys popping up out of nowhere, talking to each other, then all of a sudden they're yeah. each other's strokes later on. I'm like, uh, boy, you guys better make this one good because that's the only, probably the, the, the next to last pay-per-view that you're going to get into my wallet for, is to have these guys, you know what I'm saying, doing a pay-per-view. And I know, I know it's going to cost at least $69, which kind of sucks, but... Uh, I guess I guess I'll be ready for it one way or another. That's 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 crazy to me. <laughs> no, but I feel because yeah. you,
4: if you're a fan of boxing, like you said, this is like the last marquee thing because there's no other name boxer left after those two are gone. Huh. I mean, nobody's going to be worth paying fifty or sixty dollars to watch. It's just there's
3: no one out there. Yeah, yeah, they
1: yeah. yeah. they
3: they're, they're pretty much beat like eggs right now. We got. We got some omelets coming into the into the boxing room to to fight yeah. something. and I'm, It's just it's just crazy to me. I I don't like I don't like suspect stuff. And for years we had to deal with Don King being scandalous as hell and, and wonder what we were getting there. You know, uh, it's like a like a bad box of cereal. You know, you 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 sit Christmas. You know, you, you, you eat the bad cereal and then you find out that the milk was bad too. <laughs> you know uh-huh. what I'm saying? You sit there thinking, "Come on, man."
1: Because it's like
3: you know, like for a boxer, it's
4: sort of a tough. It's because it's a two edged thing. Like, on one end, to to get the hype, you want to get it. You want to have a good record, right? You got to like, like, like you know, like Mayweather had that undefeated record. You got to get to like right. thirty three, thirty four and zero. But to do that, you got to fight some kind of soft. You got to fight some soft guys to build up that kind of record. You can't just, you know, even if. You're trying to be tough and go against someone, you know, the higher-ranked guys, but you can end up killing your record, and that's what happens. to so many good boxers who don't get the proper advice, you know,
3: because guys are
4: thinking, oh, I got to prove myself. They end up finding a guy who's still a caliber above them. They get knocked out, get a TKO, get a draw, something, and their record ends up looking kind of questionable, and they don't get the hype, you know? I mean, that's Mm -hmm. what Tyson did, right? went up against a bunch of soft boxers, but it was all right. about getting the hype, you know? Because every, all, yeah. everybody, all everybody knew was because people, most people don't know boxers. They don't know anybody. All they, all people saw was Tyson was knocking people out in the first round,
3: and, you know, even right. though he
4: was fighting some, some easy cats. I mean, he was fighting some of the worst guys that were out there for his first couple <laughs> of years. You remember that, right? He didn't fight I anybody real that. until like, you know, till he was already making like a couple million a fight.
3: And so hey, man, Don Spings, King you start on that. Spings, you Spings, know, I got a you know. <laughs> uh a yeah. uh, 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 uh Terrell Biggs, you know, like exactly. Both Bo and Smith, Are you can't Come on, man. Yeah,
4: all guys, they were all set up to get knocked out in the first round. Every one of them. That was that was the yeah. game plan. So, you know, that's why whoever comes up, that's the smart thing to do. Set yourself up with a bunch of weak fighters get a lot of early knockouts, get some hype. You know, once you get the hype, then go ahead and fight somebody legit, you know? But you got to build up your name. That's how. That's what That's what Barton was missing.
3: Well, see, it's not real. for me, it's not really a knock on Pacquiao. But, I mean, look at some of the guys this guy fought. He fought an Eric Morales that was already on his way out. He fought a Gennaro Hernandez who was on his way out. He fought yeah. a Sugar Shane Mosley who was on his way out. He fought De La who should have been out and promoted. So it's it's like when you yeah. sit up here and they up these great names of great boxers, yeah, they were great seven or ten years before he came along. And so when you fight those guys, I mean, come on, man. Sugar Shane Mosley, for real, didn't you see what Floyd Mayweather did to him? It's like, let's quit recycling the garbage. I mean, you got, you got American, you got, you know, a gang of middleweight boxers here that they don't really talk about who you should be fighting these guys, and you keep getting oil can Henry boxers that you're fighting against. And it's like, I just want to see the the best guys fight the best competition. And that Madonna guy came in there and gave Floyd a lot of trouble, a lot of trouble. I thought Canelo Alvarez would would be, uh, you know, a little bit more of a challenge, but it's the same thing you were just talking about. Canelo Alvarez, you know, you're counting fights from when he was 15 years old. Down in Mexico fighting in bars You, you know, you, you, you're counting up a lot of people So it's it's, it's kind of like Holyfield was when uh, He got knocked out by uh, Riddick Bowe He had fought a bunch Of guys, man, that were Grandfathers in the game And he had, he had went from fighting Quality opponents to fighting Dwight Braxton, I mean, come on, man You're fighting, uh, you know uh, for One of Fraser's kids You're fighting guys who are long off The list of, of, of uh, of contenders, and then they turn into pretenders trying to get that last big paycheck on the way out. And you continue to fight yep. with these guys, but by the time you really have to fight somebody that's really somebody, you can't perform because you're used to fighting these, these guys that should have been retired. It's really sad. Right.
4: But, I mean, you, you can't really blame Pacquiao because Pacquiao, what he was doing, if you if you notice it, is he was basically trying to buy time until he could fight Mayweather. And he was trying right. to line up some weak cats because he was, he didn't, like, he was never supposed to get knocked out or lose. He was trying to maintain things until Mayweather finally was willing to fight him. But Mayweather, like, you know, and obviously he's, his plan from the beginning was to put the Pacquiao fight off until the very end. And, right. you know, Pacquiao got screwed because Pacquiao was hoping to fight Mayweather at some point the last couple of years. And so... I mean, to me, it's all—it all—it's all on Mayweather. Mayweather screwed this whole thing up, to me, in my opinion,
1: because he, he knew. You know
4: because you know, if he fought Pacquiao three years ago, Pacquiao was going to knock him out. That was that was a guarantee. Everybody knew it, and and Mayweather knew it too, because Pacquiao was the only guy who had the speed to match him, but then at the same time had enough power where if he landed one of those rights, it's over, man.
3: And Mayweather knew it. Well, I, well, I tell you something. With, with the, with, with the thing about Mayweather, I think what you said earlier initially was right. I don't think Mayweather was actually so much on the afraid side because we are talking about a guy who won uh, in six different weight divisions when he felt like really fighting good people. Yeah. He won in six different weight divisions and six different weight classes and beat the champion in each of those those weight classes. And so, like you said, until he got down here, you know, uh, uh, Ghost. Uh, uh, can't remember his name. His, his name was Ghost, something or another. I mean, that's how bad it is. You can't remember the names of the guys that these guys are fighting. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. you know, I mean, and that, that, that's pretty bad. I'm usually pretty good about the boxing names, but he's just fighting all these, all these weird. And Guerrero, I think his name was Ghost Guerrero, and he's just fighting these guys, man. And and like I said, they're they're, they're almost like like rubber rubber match fighters and stuff. And by the time you, you, you get these guys and you get to fight them and stuff, it, it's just odd to to, to to watch them do it. But my whole thing is, that, you know, what you said earlier was perfect. Three years ago, you know what I'm saying, who knows? Now these guys have, I mean, you've got you you've been in jail and back, you know what I'm saying, you've been divorced a couple of times, you know what I'm saying, you're doing stuff that guys like you should never be doing, which I mean, really, you know, hitting women and doing crazy shit. I mean, you, you're caught up in a lot of stuff that's kind of stains your credibility, and you're wearing the hell out of that Washington Wizards jersey, so to speak. In, in terms of you know, you know, your persona and everything else is taking a hit. So I mean, it's about time you got it done. But I blame that knockout that that Manny Pacquiao did. I mean, because Floyd May, think about it. Floyd Mayweather fights Marquez, he knocks him out in six rounds. Manny Pacquiao fights this guy over thirty over thirty six rounds. So after a while, a guy is going to be able to figure you out. go into a weight training program, which is what Marquez did, and end up knocking you out. Because if you keep, it's just like you and I. If you keep driving the same car over and over again, you're going to know when it sounds funny when you're driving it. You're going to know you know, the the tendencies of it to, to run funny. You're gonna know how long you gotta warm it up before you drive it up the driveway. You're gonna know everything about it. And basically Bob Aaron set this guy up in a bad way. You gotta fight you don't even fight you have not fight American or fight Canelo Everest and all these other guys that that Floyd even fought. You have him fight the same guy. No promoter has a has a boxer fighting the same guy four times in a row. And I mean after so many bouts with the same guy, hell yeah, you're gonna knock him out because you got him figured out. And he said he waited on Manny to run in, and he knew exactly what Manny was gonna do. Then you bring Manny back after after basically, in my opinion, a bullshit decision against Tim Bradley, and then you have him fight two guys that he has no business in the ring with for, for easy knockdowns. And I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking, like you said, just kind of you know, kind of like a, a filler for for a sandwich or something. You know, you gotta. You're out of your pumpernickel, and you're out of your, you're, you're running out of meat, so you gotta then you gotta turn around and use spam or some shit. So it's like it's crazy when to sit up there and watch this stuff happen, and it really puts a puts a black eye on the on the uh, on on the sport, man, because it makes it look like you just got a bunch of bums running around here, and you hate to think that the best these guys can do is to uh, you know what I'm saying have those kind of fights or or be relegated to fighting those kind of boxers. And it's just, it, it's, it's some sad shit. It re- <laughs> I don't know. Just, I got so many bad things to say about what's going on in boxing. But I'll, I'll sacrifice that last money because I want to see it. And I, and I would, like I said before, as I can see Floyd go out undefeated, I would hope that Floyd, no matter what happens, I would hope that he would rematch uh, Pacquiao 'Cause I, that's probably the only one I would pay to see twice because Pacquiao oh, just yeah. doesn't get he just doesn't get beat twice. No
4: doubt. No, you're right. Not to mention, I mean the money the money itself will motivate him to do it. because, you know, that first fight's probably gonna make a massive amount of sales and there's gonna be pressure on him to do it again. They might end up fighting three or four times to be honest with you, if if the if they get enough viewers each time, so you But know, you know but,
3: those are the kind of ones you wanna see. If you yeah. Have you ever to fight somebody four times, hell yeah, I'll, I'll pay for it each time. Here's 200 bucks, I'll put it up. When they come up, bam, I'll go ahead, say, go ahead and call the cable company. Okay, take it off this card. I'm ready to, I'm ready to see the action. you got to have at least three fights between those guys. Because, I mean, you yeah, wait yeah, so absolutely. long. I mean, I don't want them to look like De Niro and Stallone on, on, on that on that uh, movie. That did, you know, saying about the payback fight or whatever. But I'm like you, yeah, I do want to see it. So, uh, do you do you want, are you in the basketball at all, or do you follow the NBA? Oh yeah, oh yeah, I, lo- I love the basketball. See, the Trailblazers have done real well. We got we got some some injuries to batoon and Lamarcus Alders with Ben hand, but he's he's still balling out of control. And and, and definitely, I just man, like I just uh, saw my hometown. I'm from I'm from the Midwest, myself. I'm from from Chicago, and uh, I just saw them uh, terminate a 19 game winning streak with with Golden State. What are you thinking about the soap opera over there in, uh, in Cleveland right now? Was that a mistake for Kevin Love or what? Oh
4: uh, I mean, as a Timberwolves fan, I'm kind of happy we made the deal because uh, Andrew Wiggins is looking pretty legit for us. But, uh, no, for for the Cleveland, I mean, it looks like Cleveland, I think, figured it out now when they got Shumpert and J.R. Smith and then they got Timothy Mozgov. Once they uh, did that, I mean, it solved their problems because Shumpert comes in, he gives them perimeter defense, and uh, – you know, Mozgov gives them that defensive presence down low, and J.R. Smith basically does what you know. What's his name? The guy that left, uh, the guy they traded away, Deion Waiters. You know, he gives them that off the bench, and so really that solved all their problems. That's what they needed, and that's why you see yeah. them just rolling well. You know, so we'll see. I I think the Bulls are good. The Bulls are looking good. You know, I think Paul Gasol, man, I don't think. It's be good. Been more, and uh, yeah. So I think the Eastern Conference Finals, in my book, I think we're headed to Chicago versus Cleveland. Uh, I think I think that's what it's going to come down
3: to. Yeah, talk about a script changer, boy! Oh boy, Paul Gassong joining Chicago was a was a steal because as you can tell the Lakers have gone to seed, man. Those guys, are, are we'll, we'll see where they're at. Oh man, they're getting. Yeah, they're just above you guys at 12 and 34. And I think it's time for Kobe to find his chair in the announcer's move. You know, yeah, he's you done know, for the it, season,
4: right? He's he uh yeah. he's got that season-ending surgery.
3: I think he yeah, tore he his rotator
4: cuff. Uh, he t- And it's crazy. He tore, his, he tore his shoulder up from dunking. He dunked it, and then that's it. His shoulder went out, and he was done.
1: Yeah, he like to that, to me, tells it. me
4: that you're done is when you get injured doing – doing something like dunking, I mean that tells you your body's just that
3: he I mean, he he needs to rotate into the announcers move.
2: You know what I'm saying? It, it, yeah,
3: it, it's not only his rotators because you need to you need to go ahead and get on out of there, man, 'cause hey, look, come on man, let the young guys do it. Thirty six years old, you know what I'm saying? You don't you don't want to end up with a six or a seventy six sixers jersey. You know. <laughs>
4: 'Cause
3: you're yeah, I'm actually back hearing
4: I'm hearing some rumors that are saying that you know, Kobe's going to do kind of like a Ray Allen type thing where he's going to be bouncing around to whatever championship contender will let him come on and be like a six-man. I'm hearing that's what right. that's what he's planning on doing. So he, this, this might be his last year with the Lakers, but don't be surprised if you see Kobe playing for the Clippers or playing for some other championship contender and come off the bench for somebody. What What are your thoughts on him doing that? it's obvious why. I mean, he's trying to get that sixth ring. He wants to ma He wants to meet. He wants to match Jordan. That's his. That's his last mission. You know that, and uh, you know he wants to get the scoring title. He's still trying to catch uh, you know Kareem. But we'll see. I mean, if anybody could do it, it'd be him, right? He's the only he's the only NBA player I've ever seen outside of Jordan that's got that kind of competitive fire to keep going, even when it doesn't seem like it makes any more sense. You know. Yeah,
3: pretty much. Well, look, I'm going I'm to throw a couple of songs through here so we can pay a couple of bills real quick. And when I come back, I want you to tell me the thoughts on this. You know, I've always believed that, you know, no no, no mission or, or or man or team or idea is more dangerous than a squad that has nothing to lose. And, of course, I'm talking about the surprise squad of the year, the Atlanta Hawks. So oh. when we come back, yeah, yes, sir. When we come back, we'll we'll try to you know get some information on them and, and, and to share with the audience. This is your boy Flossie Jeezy and my man. I didn't catch your name at, from back there. Oh, Mike. Mike and, and and Flossie on on the line. When we come back, we'll hit up some of that. So six four six five nine five three four zero two. You know what I'm saying? We'll be back in just a moment after you know some some uh, a couple of songs here from our sponsors and. Give me a chance to go pay a bill real quick, and uh, like I said, when I get back, we'll discuss them and a, a couple of other uh, fun NBA things going on right now. Six four six five nine five three four zero two. Hot sex on the Hot sex.
1: I don't hear from suckers walking around talking. I can get some of that bottle sign, type no can do. And if you take off a joke, then ask the other two when I proceed to let you know exactly how to blow. I'm not a law doctor, so just cycle with the hoe. Oops, my mistake. I didn't know you went with her. Should I run down the line of all the kids are done here Don't be bitter. I hear that honey resembles a critter. Her, she like to two one-one like my man John Ritter. But back to the subject, you can't catch Rex. You must give respect to earn respect. Suckers think they get hurt me, cause now it's back. you full of jokes. Well, yo, your name ain't Flex. I got the the I'm lost like the hustle, you think you're all bad, right, but your girl's quite doable, yeah. I'm telling you, cheap, tobacco puffy. I'm not a man, walk When I ain't Mrs. Puffy. Rapping is an art coming straight from the heart, so forget the chalk because the action in the Yeah at to all my people with the funk. I'm the undercover brother. Dump your hole in the trunk. Save all the sad songs and the tear jokers. Niggas step back. It's the lyrical worker. The points that I create ain't in paperback books. The points that I create are for hookers in the crooks. My mental is excelling cause I dabble in the books. I'm not the one the front on. the so sub up, sub up. Yo, I get the pickings. I'm such a damn dickin'. It's the substance the block just thickens. I run you around the track like a bunny and a dog. To me, there's just another empty on the wall. A link in the chain. Fluid on the I'm both the pipe lyrics, and you're the mundane, see I can't maintain, especially if you come back. I'm the lyrical master blaster, yeah I can do that. I can also do your girl, so leave the hoe at home, cause when I get done I have a strong on bone, it's the no joke pressure, that elevates my mind, make the pick up and go, when it's time to drop my mind My title is rock, the abstract poetic, I'm in the idle mode, but my energy's kinetic, so smooth never near. special for the air, gotta keep my thing in care, cause it's evident and clear that I will rock on the rock. It's milky. I'm on the grind of my paper stack when I'm filthy. It's funny how niggas get the school facing at me. Anyhow, they ain't got the heart to get at me. I get down south side the hood that I come from. So I don't to nobody hood without my gun. You know the kid ain't going for all that bullshit. Try to think me, I'm a little for full clip. It ain't my fault, you done fucked up your real. That's At the dance game, who told you for the G-up Everybody mad when they paper don't stack right But when I come around, y'all niggas better act right When we got the top down, you can hear the system come Nigga, when we rolling, rolling, rolling. rollin', rollin', rollin' block down, quick to put a hole in the jump Nigga, when we rollin', 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 No shot mad at me, I think I know why Nigga, you to no shot they came by, the niggas use the window Shop, uh, in the dealership, trying to get a best guy. Niggas use the window Shop, uh, mad as fuck when you see me ride right by. Niggas love me in LA, the Zoomers are popping. They come and scoop me up at LAX and I'm hopping. And when it comes to bad bitches, you know I got them. Some from Long Beach, some from Watson, some from Compton know a nigga wanna see how belly goes freak off. After that five hour flight from New York, I start spitting G at a bitch like a pimp man. Tell him, meet me at the Montreal so we can do our thing. She can bring the lingerie with her, I suppose. So we can go from fully dressed to just having no clothes. She can run and tell her best friend about my sex game. Yeah, her best friend could potentially be next, man. Listen, man, shit changed. I came up from doing my thing. Homie, I'm holdin', holdin', holdin' Man, I'm still on the you. For something gets stolen, 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 no n- <laughs> shopper. You mad at me, I think I know why. Nigga n- use the window shopper. In the jewelry store, lookin' at the ships you came by. Nigga n- use the window shopper.
3: Yeah, hey, yeah, yeah, it's your boy, Flossie G's here. And Mike out of Minnesota, 646-595-3402. You know, a little bit of window shopping by my man 50 cents. And before that, a little bit of Tribe Called Quest with a little hot sex on the platter from the movie soundtrack, Boomerang. And we are back to talk about these Atlanta Hawks who are, you know what I'm saying, they're almost like Ali was with a study, listen, He's shaking up the world right now. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh we are we are back, Mike. Man, but the those cats got the best record in the league, man. It, you know what I'm saying? Southeast division, you know, averaging uh, their first in the league, uh and in points per game with, you know, a, a hundred and three uh 4, and uh first with uh with opponent's points, holding them down um uh, I guess that's in their division, second in the Eastern Conference,
1: um,
3: you know, for points, uh, you know what I'm saying, and uh, first in the the Eastern Conference for, you know, holding down their opponents in the NBA, they're number six for points and number uh, one in the whole entire NBA for holding teams out of there, 37 and 8. What are your thoughts on these miracle men right now?
4: I think uh, this all goes back to last year's NBA Finals, right? If you remember – what the Spurs did to the Miami Heat, especially in those last two uh, last two games of the series, the way they just dominated Miami. And I think what we're seeing is a shift in the NBA, right? If you remember the NBA from like 2000 to like probably like two years ago was all about having this superstar who can play iso ball. You give it to him, have everybody get out of the way, let him go one-on-one against his defender, right? Like Carmelo and Allen Iverson, LeBron, you know, that was what the NBA was, you know? It was all about having that one big time player, but now what you're seeing and what this is this is what San Antonio did was so great is they're bringing team basketball back, where it doesn't matter about having the superstar. It's all about having a good system, and the head coach of Atlanta was an assistant coach in San Antonio, so he comes to Atlanta, brings his San Antonio system, and you got Atlanta who
3: I don't even know. the player. Whoa, whoa, you're what was that last that last remark, Mike?
4: I'm not even sure if Atlanta was a playoff team last year. I don't even remember if they if they were. They may have been probably like a eighth seed or a seventh seed or something. They they were. I know they didn't do anything. You're right.
3: You're right. They were on one and done status. Right. You so, know, and so if, so if you your look your point at the Rocks, is very valid right there, on that So yeah.
4: I mean. It's it's basically the exact same team too. I mean, their starting lineup last year, if I'm not mistaken, was Jeff T. Corver was there. It was Millsap. Uh, you know, Al Horford. I think it's basically the same squad. But the only difference may have been I think they may have had Josh Smith. He might be the only the only new the only guy who left. But they didn't add anybody. The only the only difference was they brought that coach from San Antonio. He brought the system. They bought into it and they're playing good ball, man. To me, this gives hope for the NBA in the future. Like for myself as a Timberwolf fan who knows we're never going to get a Kobe or a LeBron or none, and then no one will ever want to play in Minnesota like that, right? That's obvious. So my hope is that we get enough good players where we can then put together, you know, play team ball like San Antonio and Atlanta, and we can get, at least give us a chance, you know? Right. So, well,
3: you know, never thing, though, played was- Never say never because you guys damn near with uh KG, damn near knocked the Lakers off there. You guys gave them a hell of a run with Spreewell and, and, and KG on the same team. If, if if they can just keep a cohesion up there and and, yeah. and, 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 and get some power up in there and get and get a decent draft, you know, anything is possible for anybody. I mean a lot of people have always kind of you know, blew you know, when you get a cold, one side of your nostrils gets kinda of filled up and stay stuck until you turn over and sleep on the other side. You know, they've always feared Portland like that. And It's it's like the media, after we beat the Sixers way way back when, they kind of defecated on Portland for a long time, you know, because of that victory and everything. Yeah, Pat Riley going on national TV talking about, nobody thought that Portland was smart enough to do this or smart enough to do that. We've always had real good, challenging teams. We could never just get over the hump. Plus, you know, politics played in. You find out people like uh, Jake O'Donnell, uh, you know, cats like that was doing silly shit like if the games are close and on the line, they would figure out a way to shit on us, or you'd have know, the NBA saying worrying about the market share. So rather than let Portland play, you know, the Indiana Pacers, the year that the, the Lakers played them. Oh
4: know,
3: yeah, but, I mean You're talking about the 2000
4: Western game, Conference Finals, right?
3: Yeah, you know the, the famous oh, one way, like to show
4: Jack with yeah. His eyes
3: all big, catching catching the, the, the pass and, and and scoring from the from the alley oh from, from Kobe. You and remember like, that
4: game? I remember everybody said at halftime Portland's winning this game. You remember that? I, I, people were like right. turning off the game because everybody thought Portland had it. And right. and I, I knew you, and I'm sure you probably knew it too. You knew that the uh-huh. refs were going to bring the Lakers back. Every <laughs> I told everybody, I was like, the Lakers are going to make a comeback. The refs are going to guarantee the Lakers at least going to have a chance in the fourth quarter. And they completely so, gave them the game, man. They did the same thing to uh, – you remember Sacramento. when the Sacramento Kings played? the? Yeah, it was the same story. Yeah. The Lakers were down <laughs> and out, and then the, and the yeah. NBA was like, whoa, timeout here. We're not about to have Portland or Sacramento <laughs> in the NBA Finals. That's not going to happen. Uh, you know, I, I was telling everybody, like, I remember last year, you know, when Indiana, you know, Indiana had the number one seed and everyone was like oh yeah this is going to knock off Miami I was like look man the only time they let these small market teams like Indiana or Portland or somebody they only let them to the finals if they have another big time team on the other side like the yeah. Pacers made it in 2000 when they were playing the Lakers they're never going to allow it where you have two small market teams get in there the one time they did they had the worst thing versus San Antonio back in like 06 or something. They had that it was like the lowest rated NBA finals in the history of the NBA and they were like, they're never going to let that happen again. Never. That's why we're always going to have somebody I guarantee you this year, it's either going to be Chicago or Cleveland or so big time, big market, whatever but they'll let anybody this year as long as you got a Chicago or a Cleveland waiting in the finals form, you feel me? I feel you all
3: day long, and it's. it's I'm. I'm glad. I am so glad. Six four six five nine five three four zero two. I'm so glad to have somebody else online that can see that's outside of Portland and outside of the West Coast who saw the finagling that the NBA did in order to put Portland out of the playoffs. And Sacramento, almost consecutively, back to <laughs> yeah. back to back, where it was Game Seven, and all of a sudden, you know, three-point plays rule. You know, rule the day. I mean, Portland's up by like twenty-something points in the fourth quarter, and and guys are standing like Duckworth is standing with his with his hands over his head and not even moving, <laughs> and he's getting yeah. fouls called on him. And I'm sitting up here watching yeah. this, and everybody's kind of like. Oh boy, just starting to get that that, that, that pin in your stomach. Lakers down by sixteen. Oh man, look at them. Lakers down by, by ten. Oh man, Lakers down by one. And all of a sudden, through the use of the sports machine that George Michael used to talk about. Here come the Lakers again coming back on Portland and it was so obvious. It was that I talked to guys about this and they're 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 like thinking that I'm some kind of crazy madman 'cause I you know, I'm bitter or something. I'm like well, first of all, I'm a Chicago native, but I was here in Portland for the first championship. So yes, I I do fan both places because people are always say, "Oh, you're on a bandwagon. You can't have two teams. Will you show me where that's written, and I'll I'll listen to it." <laughs> but I mean, it's yeah. like <laughs> it's like what what can you do, man? It's like after we beat up Jabbar, it's like we we had a you know committed sacrilege or something because you know we swept abdul Walton in the game swept Abdul-Jabbar and company down here. And I remember seeing, as a matter of fact, we swept everybody except for the except for Dr. J in Philadelphia. And these right. guys sat right here, and every since then, they made sure that Portland never got a chance to see the light of day again. We beat Michael Jordan on the home-and-home home, uh, uh, series where you see Michael Jordan running down, down the court on the replays Whenever they bring basketball games on where he's hunching his shoulders and holding his hands up like, oh, I can't believe I got this many shots. Well, you know what? You guys were, were were beat, and Clyde Drexler and company came in there in game two. Actually, we came in in game one, and they were hell-bent and determined that when the NBA picks a team, that's who's got to win, and I'm going to tell you something. It makes it very unwatchable, because it's supposed to have been mm-hmm. Los Angeles versus Boston. It was supposed to have been Portland versus Chicago. It's not Michael Jordan versus Clyde Drexler. It's not Magic versus Bird. Believe it or yep. not, there were an extra eight guys on 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 the, on the floor, forty extra on each side. And when they start minimizing shit, it's just kind of like Tom Brady versus uh, Peyton Manning, or 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 uh, you know, however they, they fix it up. This yep. this this secular shit that they do in sports. And this pigeonholing stuff to where it makes sports become unwatchable, and mm-hmm. I and I hate I, I get to the point where I hate watching sports almost. You right,
4: know? it's almost like the WWE. Like it's almost like they're trying to script it so that you know what I mean. It's like the two. If you think about it, like take like you and I for example. We 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 know the game, right? We know the teams we understand the rivalries and all that. So we, we can, we can get, we can watch basically any matchup if it's in the finals. Right. right. But they're right. they're aiming for like that casual fan who only like sports. And so they're thinking, hey, we can make it, you know, Manning versus Brady or LeBron versus Kobe, or if we can get some big, big, we can draw all these people in the middle who don't really watch sports to tune in because though they hear the big names are going at it, you know? So that, that's all it is. It's a money grab, you know, that's, that's that's why it's sad because, you know, like you said, Sacramento and Portland were both better than the Lakers' teams. That, it was obvious. Anyone who watched those games, you could tell they were better because they were deeper. Like, the Lakers, if you look at that dynasty they had, it was just Kobe and Shaq and a bunch of, like, mediocre role players. They had nobody else. If you look at right. Portland, Portland had Steve Smith, Scottie Pippen, you know. Uh, I'm trying All to right. forget some of the other people. But I knew they had, like – they had a full starting lineup. Like, all five guys were legit, the whole lineup. Right. They didn't just have one or two. Each one of those guys could hold his own. And when you watch the game, you could tell the Lakers couldn't stop them. They couldn't. And then you. that's why the refs had to come in time and time again. And then the other part was because Shaq was bigger than – he was like the planet Jupiter out there. And he just people right. were just bouncing off of him. I mean – I don't know. I, I used to get angry when I thought about that Laker dynasty because I felt like they cheated their way to three championships. And I was so happy when they lost to Detroit in uh, in 04. Because oh, I was like, you know. Because that Detroit team reminded me of Sacramento and Portland. I just felt like it was like revenge for
3: those two teams, you know. Well, you know what the litmus test was for how good the Lakers and Shaq really were? The years that Carl Malone and, and Stockton and Thurl Bailey Used to get up in their ass and knock them out the playoffs. Yeah, that was their that's lit- it. that was that was their litmus test. I mean, I mean, in, in the yep. years, like I said, that Portland won and, and and you know in, in ninety and, and, and ninety one and stuff, and, and they went back to back once against Detroit. And they were both fifty nine and twenty three, and you had you know you I mean you even had great games with with uh, with with uh, Portland and, and uh, even Minnesota. I mean, those are – with Tony Campbell, I mean those were those were great games back in the, back in the days, but they just you know I don't like a hybrid car, so I don't want a hybrid championship. I don't even like right. a hybrid car. I mean I want a regular car, you know that runs on regular you know oil, and okay I, okay I'll, I'll up my ante. I'll use synthetic oil rather than regular oil in my, in my in my cars like I do now, so that they run better and and they, and, and the engines last longer because they have a cleaner burning you know a fuel byproduct. Mm-hmm. But when you when you have to pigeonhole teams into a championship, when you have to cheat them in, when you have to grandfather them in, simply because the media wants to make history, you know, while they're alive. Okay, back in the days, in old Celtic days, or old even old Minnesota, uh, 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 um, um not Minnesota, but um, I guess it was the, 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 um, the, the, the Minneapolis or Lakers. Back in those days, you actually had. Uh, teams that actually played and balled and earned their stripes. Then all of a sudden, they became this magic versus bird thing. And it's like from then on, <laughs> they, ruined, they ruined basketball. They basically ruined it. So now, you know, then they did the thing with the LeBron James thing, or they'll do the thing with, or they'll, they'll, they'll pick, a, you know, a particular athlete or whatever, and then they'll try to pigeonhole those guys. And shit on everybody else. And and the bottom line is, I mean, Chicago had definitely had a great team, but let's face it, 72 and and, and, and 10, and all this weird stuff they were doing, PlayStation shit. Come on, man, cut it out.
4: That was
3: ridiculous.
4: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'll give you another perfect example when the NBA. You remember when 2008 when the Celtics put together the Big Three, when Garnett and Ray Allen showed up to Boston? Now, what, what is happening? you remember what happened? The Lakers all of a sudden got this ridiculous Paul Gasol trade where they got Paul Gasol for Kwame Brown and uh, and uh, Paul Gasol's brother who was basically unknown at the time. And it was like, it was so obvious what the NBA did. They wanted Celtics-Lakers so badly. That was like, the minute the Celtics put together a team, I, I, I said it right then and there. I was like, watch. The Lakers are going to get some kind of crazy trade, and they're going to get some great player for nothing, and we're going to end up with Celtics-Lakers. And it's exactly what happened. And I knew the NBA was going to do it, man. And Look, if you I think about it, 2009, if KG doesn't get hurt, it was going to be Celtics-Lakers three years in a row because they met again in 2010. you remember that? I'm serious. If Garnett had not gotten it would have been three in a row, and David Stern would have been doing a dance on top of his desk if he had that. He was...
3: Oh man. Yeah. Oh, David Stern had to have been one of the worst commissioners of all time 'cause he was the he was the architect and the orchestrator. I, I the
2: only think yeah. he was missing
3: was a string a string section. I mean this guy he he that stuff so bad. I, and I hope I don't get into trouble. But you know you got like Usher, you know you got it bad when you got it, when yeah. you got an owner who sits up and ha- and puts his daughter out there to fuck Phil Jackson to get him to come and and, and, and uh and uh you know, uh, be over the you know, lord over the Lakers and stuff. He just happens to be dating the boss's daughter. I mean, this yeah. this stuff this stuff was so ridiculous. It was like, okay, the Zen Master, blah blah blah. But right. notice the Zen Master didn't want to coach the team that he won a championship with. And Phil yes. Jackson has yet to want to even think about coaching. I mean, he's he's going to be this guru. He didn't even want to coach the the, the the New York Knicks. And that's the team he wanted a championship with as a player.
4: Right. So, yeah, because, so, you know, Phil, that <laughs> that's championship contender. I'm not even signing anything. Cause Phil's like, if I don't have a Jordan or a Kobe or somebody, he's not even going to waste his time with it. Like, he's like, Carmelo, what? No, I'm not even doing oh. that, man. <laughs> 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 I'm telling you, you that, that was his first reaction. Who do I got? Oh, Carmelo Anthony, Mar Stoudemire, please! But no, but seriously though, I I just the NBA like you notice know, this is only in the NBA. Do you see it where it's this bad? Because I I know in other leagues they kind of do it, but the NBA it's like so obvious anybody can see it. I don't know how people deny it. To be honest with you,
3: I don't understand it. I don't get it. And to be quite honest with you, I don't think you and I should even to try to figure it out because that means we'll be thinking like them and that puts us in double jeopardy and trouble automatically. Because when you can when you can sit up here and systematically cheat other other organizations out of stuff and then you hear this all this, this you know, I was telling my old lady earlier this evening that when you get white noise in your recording, white noise is when they have scratching and feedback and, and noises that are not germane to the music that you're recording in the background They call it, or any type of feedback when you're trying to record something. That's known yeah. in technical terms. I read about it. It's called white noise. And so what ends up happening is you hear all of this white noise in the background with the NBA saying crazy shit like, oh, man, we've got to hurry up and do something. We may have to reduce the league back down from, say, 30 teams, if that's how many they got. We meant to reduce those all the way back down to maybe just 20 teams because people aren't showing up to NBA games and you know they're not fulfilling their commitment to the market share. Well, hell, if you keep if you keep hybriding championships by picking <laughs> a Kobe or picking a, a a a a Jordan or picking a Tim Duncan or picking you know a, you know whoever then you're going to have that problem. I mean, I mean, I, I know right. that they really don't know what to do with themselves now within Atlanta or Golden State. Now, to me, yeah. you, if I want to be crisp and clean, if I want to be like Sprite, for my money, I'm thinking Atlanta and Golden State would be a great championship. Why? Mm-hmm. Because they're both falling out of control. They both have honest squads. And and it would be kind of almost like a David and Goliath because that squad that, that, by the way, Mark Jackson set up and then they fired him because of the stand he made against against uh, Sterling's weirdness, um, you know, that would be just, to me, that would be an honest championship. But we're not going right. to get it. Unfortunately, because we're dealing with this, this NBA, we're not going to have that because somehow they're going to have to figure out a way to pencil fuck uh, into in place the teams that they want to see in the NBA Finals, and that's what makes sports, for me, unwatchable. Chances are I would rather sit and have a show like this to talk about what I've seen rather than watch those games. Here I've got a season ticket for the Portland Trailblazer games, but for one reason or another, I don't have the interest that I always thought that I would have. When LeBron James came here to play a game, I didn't even know. Yeah, it's not worth it, yeah. Because to me, me it's like to sit up here and try to compare him to a Michael Jordan and then watch the media and the NBA simultaneously try to jerry-rig him in. And for my money, if I'm LeBron James and I really wanted a legacy, to make a legacy of some kind, I'd have stayed my ass down there in Miami. Well, then not only did the fans love you and you had a following – but I would have never came back and worked for a Dan Gilbert, who basically called me everything but a child of God before I left. For my money, every you know, it's good to be Christian, have a good forgiving spirit and everything. But for my money, you're not going to call me, at, you know, everything but but to catch me out, and I'm going to come back and play for you. That, that's just my own personal thing. Yeah, I I don't like holding grudges, but to me, when a person goes too far, first of all, the situation in Cleveland. When you had um, Mark Price, Ron Harper, and guys mm-hmm. like that, and and Brad Dory play together, that was a true Cleveland team. This Jerry right. rigged thing of, 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 of sitting up and letting that big guy, um, big Russian guy, who go to Miami and then come back, and then try, not getting LeBron the support that he needed on that team. I forget that big guy that used to play for them, uh, oh, so now, do this. So else Right, that guy. When you sit up here and you and you and you let him go and you bring him back and you know, I mean, Joe's not that bad. He's not that the greatest baller either. But when you sit up here and you have all this stuff going on, LeBron James, first of all, is not only coming back to hostile territory that he left with those fair weather fans that got over there in Cleveland, but he's he's coming back to a situation where you have a young Kyrie Irving, who uh, Coach K, Mister One Thousand. Sits up and has him on the team. That's his team. And so, hell no, this generation of young men and players—they don't have that same type of. I'm going to sit in the corner and be quiet just because you're LeBron James or just because you're this, this super athlete. You're upset and disheartened now. Kevin Love has got to be like, oh my god, I can't believe I left a bird nest on the ground when the fans kind of dug me at least somewhat, and, and, and you know they didn't, you know, for, you know fulfill, you know, putting people in around me. And, and Wiggins is probably laughing his ass off because he sees what's going on on over there now. Where you bring Kevin Love in, you once again you try to you try to you know hamstring and Jerry rig a team together, who by the way has no cohesion. And LeBron actually expects a Kyrie Irving who's scoring 30 points a night to sit there and say, "Okay, LeBron, I'll do what you say." He doesn't care how many championships you got when you left and went down to Miami and had the situation that you always wanted. Because remember, you were the one taking your talents to South Beach. You should have stayed down there. You should have finished what you started. You made up three. You mean he may have three or even quad, it. if he'd have stayed down there in Miami. Of course, San Antonio broke that shit up. But you at least got back-to-back championships. I don't think that the Cleveland Cavaliers are ever going to win an NBA championship. And you bring this man back up in here, and you expect Kyrie Irvin to roll over just because you're LeBron James. You want him to sit down and shut up, and listen to you because you had two rings. Well, I got news for you, LeBron. This kid is it, not only the truth, but that was that became his team. And when you came back in there, you shouldn't come back in there. You know, even though I was show, you know you're, you're from Akron, so. Cleveland's not really technically your hometown because that's like 100 miles away. You should have came in there a little bit more respectful of what you were coming back into. Not so much trying to get along with the owner as much as he was going to pay like you waited because you're filling up seats. Now, half-ass time, when you usually didn't miss games, even when you were hurt, you're now missing games. You're now not showing up for games and stuff. And you got a lot of problems going on down there. So here again... I guess the point that we're trying to make is that when you have a bird nest on the ground and you have a, a good squad around you, and for the record, even in Miami, had it had not been for the shooting touch of Ray Allen, you wouldn't have had that second championship.
4: Uh, for, real, for I can just add like, something, a totally new perspective. Most people don't talk about with this whole LeBron thing. You have to see that everything that's happened has been completely calculated and pre-planned. Right. Was he and that, that, that part was for his own personal brand, which was when he went to Miami, his name elevated so many more levels because the whole country all of a sudden was talking about this guy. He went from just another NBA superstar, you know, who was still behind Kobe to he became the most talked about basketball player since Jordan because people who didn't even follow basketball all of a sudden were talking about LeBron, talking about how much they hated him. But his, even though they hated him, his name recognition went way up. So that was right. planned. And then he was going to play the villain role for a couple of years. And this is how you knew the NBA was in on it. I'm going to give you an example. He went okay. to Miami for four years, right? Right. Three or four years. it? Notice that the Cleveland Cavaliers got the number one pick in the draft three times since he left. And two out of the three, they they supposedly only had a one point eight percent chance of getting it. You remember the lottery thing? You go on Google it. I remember it. that. Remember that? Both the times they were they weren't even supposed to have a chance, and somehow they got it. Not only that, they had back to back number one picks. They had last year's and the year before that, right? And then the one before that got him Kyrie Irving. So I was like, when I saw this, and I'm like, okay, so he leaves Cleveland goes to Miami, you know, and then while he's gone, supposedly the Cavaliers get the number one pick three out of four years? you got to be kidding me. Then he <laughs> comes back, right? And then I was like, okay, I see what's going on. This whole thing was planned from the beginning. He was supposed to leave, go build his brand, you know, take care of his name and get his name all hyped up, win a couple titles. While he's gone, Cleveland can then have a Get a bunch of number one picks to load up on talent. Boom, he comes back. Now they were in a position to make a trade, get a guy. This whole thing was orchestrated. This for the NBA was fraudulent. That's how I know the Cleveland Cavaliers are somehow going to end up in the finals. You walk my words. They're going to play uh, either Chicago or maybe Washington in the Eastern Conference Commerce Finals. And even though the Bulls and the Wizards still have better teams than the Cavs, somehow the NBA is going to get him there and he's going to win a championship. <laughs> I'm promised. It's going to happen. All pre-planned. And it's sad is the NBA
3: came down to. You know? You know what? That's, and, uh, that's very – go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm done. I was done. That, that, no, that's a, it's a, that's a very interesting take that you have on that and perspective that you have on that when you when you think about it because they did, man. They used to have it where – if you had the worst team in the NBA, they had those cards and shit that they always drug out, uh, uh, and they stacked them up on on on, on, the, uh, on the on the little little billboard there, and the team with the worst record got the automatic number one draft pick. Then they went to a lottery where a bubble floats around because they didn't like doing it that way, even though that's the fairest process. That's all about the team you mentioned that just now. That was the process. If you had the worst record in the NBA, you pick the number one draft pick. Right. It wasn't none of this. Every sport. other league does it that way. Now. Right. And, and, and all these other teams got a chance to pick up on it. You now they have the worst eight of teams or, or whatever amount of teams. Yeah, this is the worst eight. Right. And they get picking like that. But it used to be back in the days. Like if you if you sucked. And, 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 or they had an envelope where you pulled it out and they sat it up there on the board, that's how they went, or the team with the worst record got the number one draft pick. Kind of like the NFL. That's where the NFL is still is still the most honest so far as his selection goes. But when you sit right. up here and you have a situation in which you didn't come in and you change that in three out of four years, your theory, that's not that far off. When you think about that for a second, it really is not. Right. That's not that far off at all. You're right about it. And
4: that. you know you know, what's the
3: credit? It's two things.
4: First of all, we never actually get to see the ping pong ball You know, process. We never see the drawing. So we don't even know what actually happens. They just tell us, right? So we have no clue. Thirdly, the part that gave it away for me with the whole draft thing is, how is it that whenever there's this great player from a particular city, let's say uh, Derrick Rose from Chicago or Cleve, or LeBron from Ohio, it seems like for whatever reason that doesn't make any real sense. His hometown team all of a sudden gets the number one pick. You know, <laughs> and to me, I was like, when when, when I saw Derrick Rose, when when I saw the Chicago Bulls get the number one pick and get Derrick Rose. I knew that thing was rigged. I was like, there's no cause the Bulls had like they were supposed to be I think pick 10 11. They weren't even close right. to the number one. And I was like, oh, great. And then Cleveland the same story. They were they were supposed to be 5 or 7 or 8. They were like, you know, not they weren't in that top 3 range. The one pick they got LeBron, right? And then we all we know yeah. the famous one which was Patrick Ewing when Patrick Ewing went to the Knicks. That was the all-time rigged job of of the decade. We that was that was a robbery on just a massive scale. But the NBA, like, it, it never fails. They're the only league that does this shady stuff. Notice how no other league does this craziness, like having a ping-pong ball thing to determine the draft, the law order and everything. So, and, and like I said, because they don't do it on TV where we can see the actual balls coming out and see the whole process, we just have to take their word for it so they can come out and give the number one pick to any. So the Lakers, again, Number one pick. I know they will. It's a guarantee. Either the Lakers or the Knicks are going to get the number one pick. Doesn't matter what happens. Doesn't matter how bad Minnesota (laughs) or Philadelphia is. The Lakers or the Knicks are going to get the number one pick, just because that's how the NBA works. And I notice whenever there's like a great, great player, like when you know, because it's only once every couple years that you get that that franchise guy that you know, the man he comes to your team, your team is going to go. Whenever that guy's available then the NBA makes sure to have the team that they want him to go to gets that pick. In you know, drafts like last year, they're releasing anybody. They whoever you take the number and pick, uh, you know, you can have great and get on you. They don't care. It's like, you know, what it's like that, they, they don't care. <laughs> let let well, them be on you, the uh, you know. The
3: theory is not but, off, and this right. stuff is you getting know, too it, shaky.
4: It, and it's based on, and this is what it ties in, it, it's based on TV revenue. You see, the NBA is one of those leagues that are not that financially secure. Up until now, they just signed their new TV deal. So before, ABC or ABC used to put massive pressure on the NBA to say, hey, make sure you get either a big market team or a big-name superstar in the NBA Finals. That was what it was all about, because those those networks were saying, hey, you know, if you don't have a marquee name up here or a market city team in, we're not keep ratings, and we're not going to keep. Tell doesn't have to do the tampering because the NFL money is set. The NFL, they know it; they're good. So the NFL could have Green versus Jacksonville. It doesn't
3: matter. They no. have a million people watch Super Bowl. You well, know? Man, I'm telling you, it you can tell it's getting real controversial. Check out check out these check out these snubs, man. And I don't know who's getting these lead chairs, but check out some of the snubs from the All Star game. And I can't believe these guys are getting snubbed as starters. James uh, James Harden, Steve Curry, Steve, Stephen Curry's chief competitor for the MVP, is not going to be a starter in the NBA. Yeah. Kevin Durant, Kobe Bryant,
4: <laughs> over him. The man who can do, can barely even do anything anymore. That's crazy.
3: <laughs> Kevin Durant, he's not going to be a starter, right? The rating MVP is not going to be a starter. DeMarcus Cousins is not going to be a starter. Dwayne Wade is not going to be a starter. Chris wow. Boss is not going to be a starter. Jimmy wow. Butler is not going to be a starter. And then to, to round it off and, and finish it up, of all people, Al Horford of the number one team in the league, Atlanta Hawks, is not going to be a starter. How wow. the hell do you see that? <laughs> Ouch. And any,
1: how guess, do you
4: not? I guess starting for the, in the East, Hermelo Anthony was playing for one of the worst New York Knicks teams in the history of in the NBA. It's like it's the NBA is literally a joke. I mean, honestly, you know, I know we're both basketball fans, but if we're honest with ourselves, it's a joke of a league, man. It's really, it's like it's like a notch above wrestling. It, it's really, it's getting to the point where it's like got to question what's going on here because this is ridiculous, you know. <laughs> you know, I was so happy that Ref came out and just said what he said. Remember when he came out and talked about everything that went down during the 2000s? Because people were looking at me like I was crazy when I was telling them about the whole, you know, the Blazers and the Kings, how the NBA screwed them out. And everyone looked at me like, oh, you're just mad because you don't like the Lakers. And I was like, no, man, look at the game. Open your eyes and watch it. You're telling me the Lakers are better than those two teams? How could you say that? He was like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm ranting here, but. Every time I think about that, I always get angry because it's just it was such an injustice, man.
3: I haven't talked the Lakers, really good, really honestly, since Magic and Worthy played for that team. Beyond beyond that, I can't buy into them being good. I can't buy into them, you know, this whole following that they've had, and like I say, you got the daughter, you know. Um, and Phil Jackson together, you know what I'm saying? And then the brother comes in and takes over, so Phil Jackson leaves. Yep, all of a sudden we have this this big family and media circus going on. And I'm thinking to myself, how the hell is it that an organization like this has got probably one of the biggest fan following, second probably only to the NFL, go through this type of – PR and marketing nightmare. And I think to myself, okay, it's simple. You know, as long as somebody's screwing somebody or some aesthetic stuff that you look at on the surface but doesn't have any clarity of importance on the bottom end, and you look at this stuff, and all of a sudden you think to yourself, how the hell does this stuff happen? And you just heard the names of the people that I just named off, guys who have been regular people in the playoffs, and they're being replaced by God knows what. I'm telling you, if they keep this stuff up, I'm a a devout, devout, devout regular sports watcher, and a person who's always enjoyed and endured loving watching how people play sports. And watching and watching team sports, and I have in my followership in, in the NBA beyond what we've talked about, mm-hmm. for the most part, I think I'm only about forty five percent or less than half, knowledgeable of everything that I should know about the NBA, and I have no I have no clue as to, as to most of the stuff that's going on because I've become so yeah. sickened. And, and, and that's probably about the best way I could play. It's like a, it's like a sick Christmas. You know what I'm saying? And the, and the Grinch is still winning because we're being robbed as fans. I mean, I mean, I mean, mean. look at some of the stuff that's going on to go and tell you how, how the, the changing of the guard has occurred. Names like Toronto, Memphis, Washington, Atlanta. Who would have ever thought that these teams would be and not only as good as they are, but that they would actually be able to hold it down against the ones who have been able to be traditionally the top ones. i tell you what it is. These are guys who have the best position in, in, in sports. No one expects anything out of them. No one looks for them to be anything, and they keep shocking and surprising people. And, they, and, and we are witnessing, as, as we speak, a changing of the guard. And, and in a lot of ways, I think it's a good change because I'm so beat up and tattered with Lakers versus Boston, and every time they, they the two of them get a half as decent team, they start deprecating on the rest of the league and to allow a team with the history that Seattle had to allow that franchise to fold and not even make an attempt to replace them and that's and' I'm, like I said I'm one hundred and eighty six miles south of that place, and I'm gonna tell you so i've been up there I've been up there quite a few times. To take an NBA team out of that city that the glove made great, it's it's a travesty, man. It really is. It really is a travesty to watch. Mm-hmm. And I well, mean, I mean,
4: there, there are some good news on that front. I, I don't know if you knew, but the uh, there's a lot of buzz that the Milwaukee Bucks are going to move out there. They got a new owner, and uh, it's looking like he's really aggressive in trying to you know, either build a new arena or uh renovate Key
3: Arena. So it looks like the Sonics are gonna be back in the next couple of years. That that sounds like a winner because I would like to have an excuse just to hop on the Amtrak and go up there. It's a, it's right. a beautiful and, and city. Could you
4: imagine could you imagine if the Thunder stayed in Seattle? Could you imagine the rivalry that the Sonics and the Blazers would have right now? Imagine Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant going up against Damian Lillard and uh, LaMarcus Aldridge. Every year, that would have been the most epic rivalry in the NBA. You know? And we got cheated out of that, and now we have an Oklahoma City team that doesn't even have a rival, and they're just in the middle of nowhere. You know? Like, I don't know, man. And Just the logic to me to go from Seattle to Oklahoma doesn't make any sense. I don't understand why anybody would do that.
3: To this day, that particular maneuver, my friend, defies gravity. And I cannot tell you. I mean, I mean, there is there is no. What the hell is it? Is the draw other than the the, the um the, the the Tulsa Hurricane college football team? What is the draw to move into the state of Oklahoma when when the Sooners and the Cowboys of college uh, football fame dominate that sitting that, that, those areas down there? What what, right. what is it that is the draw? What what was the draw? what was the thinking of moving from a guaranteed money market? And I think they tried to make the excuse that it was all about them not wanting to build them an arena or something like that. I'm thinking to myself, with all the other cities that you could have moved to, with all the other marketplaces right. that you that you could move to. I mean, I mean, I knew that New Orleans had a team already. There were so many other places you could have moved to. What in God's name were you thinking about moving to OKC for?
4: No, it didn't. and here's the thing that I find funny was like, you remember when James Harden had to go to Houston when they traded him? They couldn't right. keep James Harden because they financially they didn't want to go into the luxury tax and have to pay the extra money to have to, you know have this big salary. And what's funny to me is if they had had that same team in Seattle with Kevin Durant and Westbrook and James Harden, you know, just coming off a trip to the finals, Seattle would, they would have been so well supported that financially they could have afforded it in Seattle because there would have been enough fanfare. They would have had a big enough TV market that they could have afforded to pay for, a, you know, a big time team. And I find it almost like, it a, you know, I don't want to call it karma, but it's almost like justice that, they moved and now they didn't have enough money to actually keep Harden on the team. And it basically cheated them out of going back to the finals. And if you notice since Harden's left, they they haven't even made it back to the finals. They? I don't think they even made it back to the Western Conference finals. So it's like, you know, I mean, they just, they, they hindered their own ability to win a championship. It's unbelievable.
3: You talk about stepping on your own crank. There's no right. way in the world you can justify to me letting go of a guy like Harden like that. And and the th- whole thing was is that, to be quite frank with you, we never saw what his potential was on OKC in the first place. Because yeah. you know, he was obviously a guy who, who had started potential. I liked, him more than, I liked him more than Westbrook, because at least he played within the scope of trying to be on the team. It's like Westbrook right. makes Kevin Durant, a weaker player, because when he was hurt and Durant was in control of the team, OKC was winning. Now now you almost have to – whenever Westbrook gets back in and starts playing, it's a coin flip.
4: Yeah, you're right, because you remember when Harden was in there, what Harden used to do on, the, on OKC was he would basically, in the fourth quarter, become the point guard, and Russell Wester would become the shooting guard, and, you know, Harden would go into his whole, you know – start dribbling and drive to the hoop, and he'd be always looking to set up Westbrook and Durant, and they used to play off of him, right? And if you're honest, you know, Westbrook really isn't a point guard. I mean, he just plays there because of his size. He's really a shooting guard. So he doesn't have that natural ability to pass and know how to set guys up and, you know, make guys better by just setting them up. Well, Harden had that talent, and that's why he was such a perfect fit on that. And the thing that made it even crazier to me is if you're going to trade him, how do you trade him to Houston? And it's like you trade him directly to a team you're competing against. It's like that defies all logic, you know. And it's like, look now, now the Rockets, you know, are they got Dwight Howard, and now they're a legit championship contender. And I, for me, I find it, I find it like, like hilarious if the Rockets end up beating the, the Thunder in the playoffs. I just think that would be, that'd be incredibly hilarious, but. You know, but you know the the NBA. Here's here's the thing for an, for anyone who's listening, who feels probably the same way you do, who disgruntled. The, there's an art to watching good NBA basketball, and I and I tell people like take last year's series between Houston and Portland. When you yeah. have two teams that don't necessarily have an angle like a superstar or a big market that the NBA wants to have advance, where they're just both on the same you know on the same level. Right, and Then the NBA kind of takes their hands off of it, and they just let them settle it on the court. And that's why we saw a great series between Houston and Portland. That was one of my favorite uh, playoff series I've seen in quite some time. That was really competitive. If you notice, every game came down to the wire, and we just saw phenomenal basketball. I mean, that, that Damian Lillard walk-off game winner was one of the best moments I think the NBA's had in probably God knows a decade, you know? and uh, Yeah. So that that's what I would say. You know, it's just when the playoffs come, we know playoffs basketball is good, but you just have to make sure to watch the right series. You know, just avoid any series that has LeBron in it or some superstar or whoever, or some and avoid a series that has a made like a big market versus a small market because if that's the case, the big market team will always win.
3: The NBA will guarantee it at some point. You know. <laughs> You don't know how refreshing it is to talk to somebody like you that not only understands what's going on, but understands what, what what it feels like to be a Portland Trailblazer fan and watch Lakerism rule the day, or watch all this other crazy stuff that goes on, and 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 be in that position to watch how it goes down on us. I mean, it's 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 incredible and it's it's insane to be a part of. And as a fan, and as a fan of the, of the Bulls and the Blazers, and, of course, that was a dream matchup for me, Bulls versus Blazers, my hometown versus my current living city, to sit up here and know that someone else sees the, fallib- the, the fallibility or the falli- uh, fallibleness, however they really want to term it, of the NBA's thought process on putting together not only an organization, but watching how they use one team or the other one to cancel them out, like a bad math problem. You know what I'm saying? As, as, <laughs> like you know a bad what I'm math problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a bad math problem. <laughs> you know good one. <laughs> like, 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 like trying to have a six-year-old doing trigonometry or something, in which you have to try yeah. to figure it out. And, and, and you never figure out what the X factor is, because the X factor is, 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 is probably the first math problems ever that have question marks on them. I mean, I mean, I mean—it's—it's it's ridiculous to sit up here and watch this whole process play itself out over and over again, all these years, and not have anybody really understand or feel our pain for just just how stupid and how bad it was to sit up here and watch them screw these teams around the way they did, and they did it almost as a, as a regular practice, and they did it almost as if no one was watching. It's like you know, what I'm saying, um, you know, if you believe that the hand's quicker than the eye. Um, you know what I'm saying? Um, uh, you know, hurry up and jack me off before somebody sees you. I mean, I mean, it, I mean, it, it, it was crazy. It was crazy to sit up there and, and watch the the league and how they play the play the favoritism, how they choose one athlete and actually one athlete out of all the thousands of athletes that are in a particular league and, and pretend like this is the only these are the only uh, two teams that are on earth and use single players. As, as single denominations, it's like. Well, what is your least? Co- and we're talking math. What is your least common denominator? The least common denominator is screwing around every other team while perpetuating something so that you can rewrite and draw history up. It's like it's like you know Jordan plays his first three years uh, 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 championship years. We see uh, actually, uh, technically speaking, honest basketball. Then we see a a a, a an exception, kind of like. The Brady or the uh, uh, or the Jordan or the or whoever else the athlete is uh, a bird rule or something in which you allow Jordan to come back into the league right at the start of the playoffs so he can get back in the mix of playing when he comes back out of retirement and I'm like I'm sitting up here and I'm watching this I'm thinking to myself you know this is complete fuckery to watch it, to watch an organization handle stuff the way they did or like the Ray Rice situation. Yeah, it was fucked up what Ray Rice did. He would put made himself look horrible and terrible as as a role model, as a parent, and everything else, or as a, a potential husband, and everything else. But once you have something go down, you don't do double jeopardy in order to clean shit up because you got chicks who have nothing to do with the NFL squawking. Because the National Organization of Women, by the way, an organization that traditionally doesn't like men, which is why it's called the National Organization of Women, now in control of telling grown football players what to do. I don't think that you ought to have outside. I think a commissioner, if you're over a a league, whether it's the NBA or the NFL, I don't think that you should sit up here and, and hide your head in the sand and allow everyone else to do your damn job. Or to, or, to, or to do such a to me in, in, in an egregious offense is not necessarily the act of the athlete, but to watch an organization or a body of people, of supposed to be mature people, take a league and run it into the ground in order to satisfy some whimship for when you're in charge to make history off of it, based upon not upon actual players. By performance, but awful fuckery and just wanting to make some kind of history to say that you were there to see it happen. To me, that's what's wrong with sports today. And that's why it makes it unwatchable. And I watch more movies today than I do sporting events. Because depending on who the athlete is, if I know a particular athlete is going to be playing, I don't even bother to watch the damn thing because the predictability of how the game is even officiated, that's the ball probably worse than any of them. It's the most controlled environment that you have. The only two honest sports that you still have left right about now, seriously, are three sports. is golf, uh, boxing. Depending on the, the judges you got, boxing, and that's kind of an almost kind of like a you know a, a Freudian slip to say that, but boxing, <laughs> uh, that, that, you know what I mean? Boxing that, yeah. and maybe football. And now I'm starting to think that is suspect because that catch that was made by Dez Bryant jumping out of the stadium was a legitimate catch. The man oh, no caught doubt. the ball. He caught the fucking ball. He made three steps, and he had the ball cuffed. And then it came down on the one yard line. It didn't when it comes if it comes down on the one yard line and rolls into the into the end zone, you cannot then say, Okay, well it's time for it to go the other way. The ball came down on the one yard line and the last time I checked, for whatever reason, except for that that for that particular game, right, the ground okay. cannot cause a fumble. Yet everything but, that but you and you, both you know play, why that happened
4: like think think about it. you got to connect with dots with the, with that whole thing. That all goes back to the week before with Detroit and Dallas, right? Absolutely. We all know that the Detroit Dallas game was clearly the NFL. That was I mean that was I've never in my life ever seen a, a referee call pass interference. Wait a second, go back, pick up the flag, and change his mind. That has never happened ever, especially on such an obvious pass interference play. So. Clearly the NFL gave Dallas that game, right? So the NFL basically well, said is this this is this is how this is how the system works. It's always about what is the TV drawing uh market for that team. Now, the NFL is unique in the sense that even though they they've got some small market teams that have big fan followings, right? Like the Green Bay Packers and Pittsburgh, they both play in small cities, but they have fans across the country. So like, if the Packers are in the Super Bowl, it's okay even though it's a small city because there's millions of Packer fans across the country, all over. Right. Same with Pittsburgh, right? Same with Dallas. And so what what happened in the Dallas Green Bay scenario? They had they had the freedom to choose which team because both teams are guaranteed to give you huge ratings in the next round because the Packers and the Cowboys both have equally large fan bases. So in that case, they decided, okay, they were they decided let's cut. Dallas here. That way, we sort of make up for the debacle with Detroit, and we kind of cover us, you know, two weeks here. Because then, you know, people won't say, "Oh, the NFL is just, you know, carrying the Cowboys all the way to Super Bowl," which everyone was thinking was going to happen. So they play yeah. this game, and if 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 you understand the, you know, the dynamics with certain teams and their fan bases and their TV markets, you can see the the way they handle things. And this is something that the NFL and the NBA, the NFL's mastered it. They've mastered the art of doing it where it's not obvious. The NBA is doing the same thing, but they're just doing it in a clumsy manner, which makes it so easy for us to see,
3: you know? So There's no way of- in the world that on any other day, but the day that that, that thing went down, you're absolutely right. I was I was going to mention that, but, but, but you were very intuitive on that one, and you tuned right into that. To sit up here with this Mickey Mouse BS, any other day, uh, 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 any other game all year long, and for as long as we've been watching football, that's just they came up with these rules some five years ago. If a receiver or a, or a player grabs another person's jersey to slow him down or does not turn around to look for the football, that is past interference any day but that day, because they were they wanted so bad to get the playoff monkey off of Dallas's back, because they had gone 19 years without a playoff win. And yeah. as my brother always used to say, all the time and still says today, never ever let a lie get in the way of an agenda. You knew damn well that that that, that was passing appearance, and that it was holding at the same time, simultaneously on the same player. But because. You know, you guys are so offensive the way you do stuff. And to me, I'm thinking in his terms, visually offensive. Because it was visually offensive to sit up here and see <laughs> them not make that call because, okay, they had a Dominican suit. They were clearly not – who, by the way, is from Portland. And he he actually re-turfed the um, – they have a beautiful school over there, Grand High School here in Portland, where yeah. suit played and stuff. Collegiate ball here in high school, and he repaved the track and the football um, football surface that they played on with astroturf, and and, and created a new uh, thing, and that was a beautiful thing. You don't hear about that because all you want to hear is the macabre dumb shit that he does. And when you're making millions of dollars and you do dumb shit, and you kind of deserve to be exposed. But but the bottom line is is that you, you you don't like you didn't like him, and there was some other you know political shit that was going on, and so you decide to shit on Detroit, who with Matt Stafford out of Georgia, was very deservant of going on to the next level. But then again, here again, we're talking this market share thing, and that theory that you have is not only uh, right on, on, on point, but it connects quite well. You think about the fact that Detroit traditionally uh, was a team that always gave Green Bay a hard time. So you weren't going to allow them them to get up in there. You kind of wanted to see. I think what they wanted to see, honestly, was just to think that Green Bay could knock Seattle off, and they were still hoping hopes above hopes because the the thing was to do was to get the Dallas Cowboy organization uh, to be in the Super Bowl. Because what happened earlier in the year? Dallas had beaten Seattle. And that's what yep. they were gearing up for. And when it did not mm-hmm. happen, it did not go down that way, right, because of them screwing up and having their agenda going, that's why they couldn't get that right because they had already figured out, you know what, we've been losing for 19 years. Let's get that together. Let's set this up. Okay, then we grouped up. Even even retired players and even 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 judges and and, and people and and, and all the, way up in the media said how much Dallas screwed up. So they were a victim not only of of their of their debacle, but they were also a victim of their own success. But it's you know, but, but no one likes a cheater. So you you know, better luck next year. But to sit up here and watch this excruciating BS, it, it, it here again it defies gravity, man. To watch this going on. And to me, it's just like you're making sports unwatchable. Damn it, you're making it you're making it unwatchable. And I'm starting I'm starting like I said, I'm starting to watch more movies than I am sporting events. That's problematic. Right. And and
4: if you notice, there's one other thing too, and this is the thing I found interesting. Look at the Green Bay Seattle game. Now, most people didn't pay attention to it. the first half. The refs clearly, clearly were out to give Green Bay the edge. It was so evident. Anytime Seattle made any type of progress in the first half, there was always a timely penalty to keep the momentum in Green Bay's favor. Green Bay was supposed to win that game. I hope people realize that. Seattle winning, they won in spite of the refs. For example, that onside kick was the total game changer. That was not supposed to happen. Green Bay, right. this was supposed to be Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady. This is what the NBA, the NFL wanted. If they couldn't get the Cowboys, they wanted it to be the Packers versus the Patriots because they knew they, that was guaranteed to set a record. I mean, come on. Right. That was going to set a record. And so that's why I like Seattle because Seattle is basically a thorn in the NFL side. They really are. They They weren't supposed to beat Manning last year. They just blew the brakes off of Manning. Right, that wasn't even supposed to happen. They were supposed to go up there and get blown out and let Manning kind of win a championship and ride off in the sunset. That was the whole script. You could tell, you know, even like, um, you know, I, I just everything the NFL does. I just love how there's always one team that's screwed because football, unlike basketball, you can only do so much with the refs because it's such a physical game that if a team is strong enough and tough enough. They can overcome the referees, and that's what Seattle has. Their defense is so physical, so tenacious that no matter what the refs try to do, they can still find a way to keep their team in the game no matter what. So it's, that's why I like the Seahawks. They're definitely they're like a renegade group in, in the
3: NFL. I'm telling you, man, it's, it, you're absolutely right. And I'm telling you, Mike, it's excruciating. It's excruciating to watch the shit that goes on, on in, in some of these games. It's excruciating to watch, you know, you know how they do stuff and how they try to, you know, set stuff up so that they can make the history that they want to see. The media says something that's like, you know, the league always jumps, jumps right in there and jumps in the bed with them. And anybody that's doing stuff with Walt Disney, you kind of expect crazy <laughs> shit to happen, okay? Because, yeah. you know, like I said before, you know, I forget I forget the words about the song the words were wishing up on a star, but anytime you get ESPN and you get ABC and stuff together, and of course that that's now Disney Channel and Disney Works and all that stuff is cross check each other. You're gonna get some wild shit coming out of there anyway. I mean, when you when you look at it, um, the Ohio State Oregon game, them officials officiated the shit out of Oregon on that game. Oh, you you, you get everybody knew Ohio State
4: that. was gonna win.
3: Yeah, you, of course, because yeah. Ohio I, State is mean, the
4: traditional power I mean, with all the fans. Yeah, that was Oregon. was I mean, doing you look that. at it though.
3: Look at look at how the referees were calling every damn thing that they could think of. I mean, I mean John Madden said it on his own video game. He said, technically speaking, every play in football is holding. It all depends on which one they want to call. I mean, they yep. were calling shit on. It was called a show in Oregon that was so so obvious and so ridiculous that after a while I was I was about ready to, to quit watching the game. I mean, there was a couple of players that had done some some silly things before the game, like getting busted smoking the chronic and stuff like that. And, and I understand that stuff too, and I understand how stuff plays. But when you get on a pro level and you see how obvious it is, like you said with Seattle being you know a thorn in their side and I'm trying to trying to set stuff up in the NFL, front office being, you know, whatever. What kills me is when I see shit like, okay, Ray Rice, I said said it earlier, he had a lot of the grief that he got, he had it coming. But then when you see, you know, the owner of the Cowboys up on sexual assault charges and suddenly after the Ray Rice incident appeared, that story disappeared. How does that disappear when that's the most high profile person in the NFL being Jerry Jones. How does that how does that disappear? Because there was a sexual assault allegation and as quietly as as, as, as you know, getting up in the morning, and tipping to the bathroom so nobody can hear you, doing your business and climbing back in bed, that's how quickly that, that situation went away with Jerry Jones. And so it it makes you here again, there's no honesty. There's no, there's no truth and lending statement. There's no honesty in the game, that, uh, at these sports that, that we can, uh, can think of that are honest or anything. There's a lot of weird shit that just goes on, and after a while, you're beginning to make sports very, very uncomfortable and unwatchable. I've sat and I've watched it. I've done things. I've sat and I've – here again, you've got the National Organization of Women and other outside organizations – coming in now that are going to be telling the in the NFL how to act. Why? Because Roger Goodell is taking it upon himself to not do his job, to be afraid of, to, to, to function and do stuff the way he needs to, to be afraid to, you know, you know use the, the authority that he has in order to get his league under control. He's decided not to do that. He's decided to pass the buck on everybody else, and, and especially what's alarming is you're doing all this passing above after you clearly shit on New Orleans and had to go up back against that last year. But and everybody else has to be held accountable for what they're doing, but you don't have to be. That right there sends out a bad message. And and maybe it's just me, but I don't think that a guy who the last time he played football was in high school ought to be lording over people. Who uh, who went to college and played pro football? Because you can't, you're not going to sit in someone else's chair to know what they're going through. It's kind of hard for you to hand out discipline, and you don't know what the hell is going on, and you've never experienced any of that. Because the last time you played football was when you were a freshman in high school. Uh, to me, it's a to me plan. it's just like the military. Just so like the military, I would rather take orders from a sergeant, or from an officer who was a sergeant or an enlisted person, than somebody just coming out of college and doesn't know anything. Life hmm. saved my life. <laughs> right, right. Well, hey, you know what? It's it's, it's getting a little late. I'm going to grab your number from you. That way, I can keep you informed. So, what I am going to do is, is uh, I'm going to I'm going to uh, uh, you know. Um, have you um? You know, just go ahead and drop your digits. So, I mean, that way I can keep you up on 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 when I'm having sports shows because I I do all kind of shows. I would do political shows, and sports shows, and everything else. I like to be able to keep up with you because it's nice to email you have know, Like I said, to holler at somebody that kind of that kind of knows what's going on 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 their business or whatever. Um, do you have Facebook? Ah, uh, not on Facebook. I can. Well, I mean, if you were to
4: take me off the actual main line, I could just give a number directly. That way, you can just shoot me a text whenever, you know, whenever the okay, show is about to get okay, off.
3: Okay, okay, that that will work. Um, let's let's see. Uh, I'm trying to figure out a way we can do this. Tell okay, you what, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go ahead and and, and do that. I'll uh I'll take you. Uh, I'll put a put us a on on uh, on on uh, We'll get something figured out here. Matter of fact, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and, and drop a number on you real quick. A line that you can a business line you can you can call me and leave me your information and we're going okay, to know cool. what's going on. That that number is nine seven one. Okay. Four zero four. Four zero four. Ten twenty six. Okay, and, and, and after the show is over, you can give me a shout real quick, and I can get that. That way I can keep you up on what type of shows are going on and when I'm going to be okay. going on, because I don't go on every night. But, like I said, I'm trying to get back in here and get back in the swing of it. And this was a very good show. Like I said, it's getting kind of late, and i got to run people to work here in a few hours. But, uh, right. you know, your boy, your, your, your boy Flossy Jeezy, that's going to conclude the show tonight. Uh, it was a pleasure having uh, Mike from uh, Minnesota in, and, and sharing the show with me tonight on some on some good topics, and we're gonna be bringing you some more shows and doing some more stuff with you folks out there. This is your boy Flossy GZ and Mike from Minnesota, six four six five nine five three four zero two. And I'm gonna go ahead and uh, let me see what I can I can drop on you folks here real quick here, and that's gonna be uh, let's see if I can remember the name of the artist here. My brain's running a little slow tonight. But uh, let's see here. Oh, heck, I could just pick something smooth here real quick.
1: Yeah, this is
3: this is your boy, Flossie Jeezy. And, again, I want to thank you folks for for, for for calling into the show. This has been your boy, Flossie Jeezy. Then I'm going to go ahead and drop a little Marvin Gaye on you, a little come get to this. You folks have a good night, and God bless and thank you for joining the show. Take care.
1: Yeah!